having having your kind of solitude within your relationship is really important and having your autonomy is really important if the relationship is going to succeed otherwise you're living in each other's pockets the entire time and I suppose the kind of dream scenario that I've always imagined is that you know you can be sat next to your partner on the sofa reading a book doing your own thing not not talking to each other just both doing your own thing completely independent of one another and that in a way I think would be a period of alonement even though you're not physically alone You're listening to The Alonement Podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone, and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. This week is something of a milestone moment because I'm sharing the recording from the first ever live show of alonement, which was recorded last month in front of an audience at King's Place in London. In what was a fairly ambitious move, I decided to record not one, but two episodes back to back, which I'll be releasing this week and next. The first guest to join me on stage was Olivia Petter, the author of Millennial Love, a brilliant memoir and social commentary on the modern dating landscape. She's also the host of a podcast of the same name, which I've been lucky enough to be a guest on in the past. Oh, and your ears do not deceive you, that really is a gospel choir, singing faintly at the beginning due to a slight timings clash on the part of the concert hall. Bear with me, it only goes on for the first 90 seconds. Let's just call it divine intervention. Before we get to our conversation, I want to give a big shout out to this season's sponsors, Flashpack. Flashpack is a travel company for solo travellers providing boutique group adventures all around the world, from staying on a secret island in the Arctic to glamping on the Serengeti. Its adventures are targeted specifically for solo travellers in their 30s and 40s, so if you feel like you've slightly moved on from staying in hostels with gap year students on your solo trips away, then this is the holiday for you. Much like Alonement, Flashpack is a community built around the power of going solo and their trips are an opportunity to meet like-minded people who share the same independent outlook as you. They're on a mission to create one million meaningful friendships across the world through the power of adventure. And it sounds like it's working. 80% of Flashpackers stay in touch after returning from their trips. If this sounds good to you, head to flashpack.com slash alonement where you'll find an exclusive offer code for all alonement podcast listeners giving you a hundred pounds off your dream adventure i'm ready (laughs) (laughs) to begin with the question i ask every guest on this show what does alone time mean to you? So I think it's funny because 
I now really distinguish between alonement and alone time in my head. So to me, alone time, I hear the word lonely with alone time. Um, and I think that's, I think that's just because emerging from the pandemic, I think it's been a period of a lot of isolation and loneliness. And so to me, I hear the word alone. And I, I think about, I think about just, just not necessarily being isolated and being, you know, not surrounded by anyone else, but, but feeling a lack of connection, I think, because to me, that's what loneliness means. Um, and I think it's, you know, because you can be lonely and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but I think you know, if you're in a relationship that isn't working or if you're with a group of friends that you feel like you're not connecting with necessarily or you're at a festival and you're a bit lost in a crowd and, you know, I think that those are times when you can feel lonely. And it's interesting because I think the concept of loneliness has really shifted recently and we're starting to kind of recognise that a little bit more and have a little bit more empathy towards it. Um, So I'd say... I say, yeah, that that to me is what I guess being alone means. But that's why I think I love the concept of alone because it's 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 transformed that idea for me a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I think it's funny. It, I guess, the reason that I invented alonement as a word in the first place is because we always do shift towards that notion of alone, automatically being lonely and. You're so right. I mean, as much as it's sort of been an uphill struggle, um, bringing out the podcast and the book during that period of time, I think, uh, and myself included, we've all really touched the bottom of loneliness as well. And I think that that can come in so many different guises as you identify in relationships, in friendships. It's not, you know, it's not just being physically alone that makes us feel lonely. Um, and there's, there's one, there's one thing in your book actually that really interested me where you talk about Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Someone's love of solitude almost being used as a stick to to beat you with. You, You were saying that there was a period where you were dating someone who announced that they were going to go off grid for a for a week or two um and uh and to turn their phone off and <laughs> and yeah. you were like yeah cool great that you love solitude but you're all secretly inside you were like Ugh, i was outraged we <laughs> literally just started dating and he already wanted to be without me i was like what are you doing <laughs> um yeah i think that was more that i i just really liked this guy who was so clearly not interested in me <laughs> i was so deluded about it so when he said that he wanted to have alone time it, it wasn't because we'd only really been seeing each other for like a few weeks it wasn't really the kind of thing where 
I, you know, we knew each other well enough for me to be like, that's cool, you go do you and go chill out. It was like, no, we just started dating. This, we should be obsessed with each other. <laughs> so I was a bit miffed by that. Um, but it was more, it was more about because he, he was sending a lot of mixed messages, you know, as, as people do when they date. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, completely. And your book just touches on every nuance of that, especially via technology. The myriad ways we can ghost someone, we can breadcrumb someone, we can bench someone. Yeah. We can. I mean, just, the terms are just endless. Basically, half of lifestyle journalism, really, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I think it's so brilliant that we have all of these new ways to connect with people now, um, romantically and and for friendships as well. But unfortunately, the byproduct of that is that we then have all of these new ways for people to let us down mm. and for people to hurt us. So all of these kind of buzzwords. And I've noticed actually dating apps have stopped because dating apps are the ones that create them, weirdly, even though it's sort of negative about dating apps. But they would release these lists of horrible trends and they've kind of stopped doing that now. And the trends that they're releasing are more positive ones. But if you look at what they were, like one was orbiting. And that is something that never would have existed if it not if it hadn't been for Instagram because the whole thing about that is when someone you're dating or someone you previously dated doesn't reply to your texts or doesn't message you but they watch your Instagram stories mm. which is so yes. weird <laughs> and that messes with your head and that's the thing like all of this stuff even though you know you know, we all have Instagram you watch everyone's stories there's no meaning attached to it but for some reason when you like someone you attach meaning to every teeny tiny little thing so you're like they looked at my story they're in love with me uh, but while they text me back, so it's a complete, you know, it really confuses you and it's really, it's a, it's a mind game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, as many ways as there can be to connect with someone via technology, there's also many different ways now to disconnect with someone and to yeah. leave us in that state of feeling a little bit uneasy. I've definitely been in that state of, you know, sort of, you'll post a story to, I don't know, 200 people and yet the one person you really want to connect with, you'll sort of be, you know, watching every time to mm-hmm. check that they've and seen And people it. play games with it as well. You know, I know that I've previously, if I've been dating someone, I'll be very careful not to watch their story instantly and wait a certain period of time before I do it because I don't want them to think I'm too keen and vice versa. If someone will, because also I don't know what the algorithm is with Instagram. It's ridiculous, but it's true. I know you will do it too. But on Instagram, it's so funny because the people who are at the top of your stories... People are always like, oh, does this, it's, does this mean that this person is looking at my profile more? Does this person, and it just, this is the problem. Like these, the people making these apps and making these programs make them to be addictive. They make them so that we are hooked on them, so that we spend more time on them. Mm. But then obviously what that does is that, is that wreaks havoc on our brain, particularly within romantic relationships when there's already so much anxiety and so much kind of, you know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what the other person is thinking. And if you really like someone, everything is kind of, you have all these questions and all that anxiety is exacerbated by this technology because that's exactly how it's supposed to work. And you end up attaching, I think, so much shame to those feelings when you feel like you're obsessing over who's seen your Instagram story. But that's exactly what they're designed to do, you know? Mm, yeah, we're just uh, victims of the algorithm. Panning back to this to this guy who um, I'm very angry at because he gave the <laughs> solitude that, you know, the perfectly reasonable solitude that I, I preach about, he gave it a bad name. And I just, I want to hunt him down for that very reason. But panning back to that, you talk to so many people in relationships, out of relationships, in a wonderful gray area between relationships that we all also know all too well. 
how can solitude work in a good way? Have you ever seen a, you know, an example of a couple sort of functioning independently or, you know, having solitude, but in a polite, respectful way? How, how would you suggest that someone like this guy would have done things yeah. differently? I think it's tricky because when you're, when you first start seeing with someone, all of those kind of rules about respect and boundaries that they're not really established yet because you don't really know each other that well. But so I think, I think with that, it's a bit different. But I think later down the line, you know, having, having your kind of solitude within your relationship is really important and having your autonomy is really important if the relationship is going to succeed. Otherwise, you're living in each other's pockets the entire time. And I suppose the kind of dream scenario that I've always imagined is that, you know, you can be sat next to your partner on the sofa, reading a book, doing your own thing, not not talking to each other, just both doing your own thing, completely independent of one another. And that, in a way, I think would be a period of alonement, even though you're not physically alone. You're next to each other and you're just respecting each other's boundaries, you're giving each other space and you're just getting on with it and you're just having a little alone time, even though they're right next to you. I think you've stolen my romantic fantasy there, Olivia. I mean, you know, my best friends are sitting out there in the audience and they know that, you know, as much as it's nice to do all sorts of things in bed with someone, sitting alongside each other reading is just like, is the thing. I know, it's right? the dream. And I think, I think you also, you know, you have to, you have to impose boundaries. I think I'm, I'm quite good at this with my boyfriend. You know, if, if I'm having a period where I'm feeling really stressed or I'm feeling really anxious, I'll come home and, you know, we're quite, it's a small house. If we're both there and our housemates there, we're all kind of quite on top of each other. So I kind of have to be like, look, I am a bit tired, I'm a bit stressed. I need to be on my own. I'm just going to go upstairs to the bedroom. Well, if you just give me the room for like two hours and just, just set it out really clearly so that there's no confusion about it. Cause I think if you don't communicate that effectively and then, you know, maybe I'm in bed reading and then he comes in to like blow dry his hair and I'm like really like, what are you doing? <laughs> but if you, if you have that conversation before and you set it out, then everyone, you know, you can manage expectations and then he's just like, yeah, cool. Okay. And I do the same with him. And I think that is also just really important, just being really clear about what you need. How long does your boyfriend take to blow dry his hair? <laughs> it's just very loud and aggressive, isn't it? When you're reading, it's the most annoying thing that someone blow dry their hair. Oh, wonderful. Well, great. I mean, I'd love to move this podcast into a whole other direction about Patrick's hair care routine. But uh, coming back to, so I know in the uh, in the acknowledgements of your book, I think the or the the end bit at least, it, you write that. Actually, one of the most important things that you've learned through this whole process of getting to ask people loads of questions about their relationships and getting to explore yours and, and write this memoir was that actually good relationships come down to us as individuals, you know, us working out what we need. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Mm. I think it's it's about recognising there's so many things that you should learn about yourself, I think before you start dating. I mean, obviously, we all start dating when you when we're young and, you know, we learn it on the job and we learn things the hard way. But eventually, you get to a point where you start to recognise the kind of person that you should be with, the kind of things that you need in a relationship. And that all boils down to who you are as a person, right? And, you know, you only learn those things. You only learn those things through experience as you get older. But I think it's really important not to ignore your instincts because so often, I think, Particularly as women, you know, we're conditioned to be people pleasers and to kind of bend over backwards to try and please everyone and put everyone before ourselves. And that often means that we end up making too many compromises in relationships and going for people 
and staying with the wrong people for too long and making all these all these mistakes. And I think you really have to listen to your inner voice and know yourself and, and trust that you know yourself. And when you get those little inklings of something telling you something's not right, whether it's you've been in a relationship for a long time or you've just started dating someone and there are some red flags or you don't like the way that they're treating you or you're not you don't like the way that they you know, don't text you back for X number of days. And, you know, if someone's just not being good enough, don't stand for it, you know, don't put up with it because ultimately it's just going to keep disappointing you. And and I think you just end up tolerating that kind of stuff for far too long. So I think it's just about really recognising what you need and, and just putting that into action, making sure that you don't, you know, you don't put up with the wrong stuff for too long. It's making me think of something you speak about towards the beginning of your book about the idea of the cool girl. Mm. Uh, could you explain, uh, for the benefit of anyone not aware, who, what the cool girl concept yeah. is and how that might actually feed into, again, that sort of repression of your own yeah. desires and needs? I'm so obsessed with the cool girl. Um, so <laughs> it's it kind of, I mean, it's been around forever, but I guess the kind of term itself came around um, in Gone Girl, Gillian Flynn's book. Um, and she also, it's also in the film as well. And it's this idea of this type of, this male fantasy of womanhood that I think we are all socialised to aspire towards, whether we like it or not. Um, and in terms of a character in a film as well, in, aside if you haven't read or seen Gone Girl, if you've ever, ever seen How to Be a Guy in 10 Days, the character Andy at the beginning, and that film really is predicated around the kind of subversion of the cool girl in a very toxic way. The whole idea of it is like, okay, this is who she is. She's Andy. She drinks beer. She eats pizza. She doesn't gain any weight. She likes sport. She's everything. She's like a man, except that she's super hot and looks like a model and doesn't make any demands of her boyfriend ever. Doesn't ever ask him to do anything that, you know, he's not comfortable with. Doesn't ever ask him to make any sacrifices. She's just like the ultimate kind of idealized. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. version of a woman, it's obviously incredibly sexist. And, and unfortunately, even though it's, it seems so obvious when you say it like that, I think deep down there's so many of us who feel that we need to be that in order I mean if if you're a straight woman I think you know it doesn't really isn't really applied I think otherwise because of the power dynamics but I think it's you're so idealized to think that is what men want from a woman and so what like going back to what we said before that often manifests in suppressing parts of ourselves often the parts that makes make us human like our emotions and and parts of our personality because we think that that's what we need to be you know and it's about this kind of like insouciant attitude like oh cool you're going to be like 20 minutes late that's fine oh you're not you're not coming at all oh okay okay don't worry it's fine don't care it's fine do whatever you want like walk all over me it's okay um and it's that kind of attitude and it you know you just end up letting people you do let people walk all over you and you just get your heart broken um so it's it's really bad and i think we are slowly moving away from that but it's definitely still something that it's just it's just so ingrained because you know all the films and all the books and all the popular culture i engaged in when i was growing up it was all the cool girl that was all exactly what it was and so it's hard to unlearn that kind of stuff i think and do you think uh and you know i'm keen to underline that single positivity and alonement aren't the same thing you can have alonement in any stage of your life but being single can be a good time for alonement which then becomes a time when you tune into your own needs and you start thinking yeah I do care if someone's 20 minutes late and that kind of thing do you think that being single can be a good period of healing from that cool girl effect oh god yeah I think so I mean if you've just come out of a relationship and you're a bit heartbroken you're going to have a period of mourning that is going to be difficult but then eventually you get to a point where you I think it's crucial to have that before you go into your next relationship because then it comes back to what we said before about really learning what you want and taking what taking what happened in the previous relationship and thinking okay well what did that teach me about myself and making sure that you apply that to your next relationship and you know we learn so much from our relationships about ourselves and i think we have this really warped idea that a relationship that ends is a failure and this is something Elizabeth Day talks about a lot on her podcast how to fail and actually we really need to reframe that because not only does that then create all of these sort of toxic connotations to previous relationships and and we have these really unhealthy attitudes toward, towards our exes that we don't necessarily need if the relationship didn't end badly but it also just stops us from really seeing the value in what that relationship and what that partner gave us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about just seeing, okay, well, that chapter has closed now. 
but I can still look back on that fondly. You know, I was still in love with this person and we still taught each other a lot. And I think we just need to be a bit more grown up about it. (laughs) Coming to another brilliant pop culture reference in your book, uh, you quote the poem Mad Girl's Love Song, the Sylvia Plath poem, which uh, I, I love so much I actually have a Spotify playlist named after it so my ears were really pricked up but there's a line in that poem where she says I think I made you up inside my head Sylvia Plath was writing that in the mid 50s uh well obviously putting this in the context of millennial love in the 21st century but do you think there's something about technology and social media and all these sort of weird veneers of people that we see that encourages us to make people up in our heads to idealize people and and almost imagine things in that aren't there Mm. in relationships yeah definitely I mean first of all Sylvia Plath is a genius um and I I had I remember when I said to my um, publishers I really wanted to have that poem at the start of the book and initially, I didn't realise that, you know, you have to pay quite a lot of money to get a poem at the start of the book. And they were like, okay, so to get the whole poem, it'll be like eight grand. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, it wasn't that much. It was something ridiculous. Anyway, so I have just that one little verse. Um, but it's so interesting because I think when you talk about dating apps and this idea of fantasy, I think dating apps rely on the idea of fantasy because... When you think about it, you've got a 2D version of someone on your phone. You've got cherry-picked bits of information and, you know, that they've kind of curated. And from there, you know, we, we already do this anyway in dating, don't we? Like, if you meet someone you like, you already start fantasizing about your life with them or your first date might be like with them. But that's all maximized because of dating apps because you haven't met someone in real life. You haven't had body language with them. You haven't, like, had eye contact with them you haven't been able to kind of just get a sense of who they are. So you have all of that to kind of imagine and make up in your head. And as soon as you start talking to someone that you really like, that all gets worse and worse and worse. Not worse, but it just gets bigger and bigger. And so then what ends up happening, you know, I always say to people, if you're going to meet someone on a dating app, meet them really soon. Mm. Because if you talk to someone for, you know, a week, well, a week's fine, but I think if you talk to someone for like two, three, four weeks and you still haven't met them, you're just, you're going to get further and further away from who that person really is, I think, and just dig deeper into your fantasy of them because you're going to fill in all of the blanks. Whereas if you meet them in real life quickly, I think so much of the success of dating apps in terms of like if you actually go into a relationship with someone is about where that fantasized version of them in your head and the reality of them, the person standing in front of you meet. And very often that gap is very far. And I've had that before. You know, I've been chatting to people on dating apps and then you meet them and they're nowhere near as charming as they were on message as they are in real life. And that kind of connection just completely dies and it's just not there. Um, And it's just, it's very far away and they're very different to who I thought they were. So I think the people I've had success with on dating apps is when that gap's been very small and the reality has matched the fantasy. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just important to recognise that when you are on these apps you know, you just should meet them pretty quickly because the fantasy is going to get carried away otherwise. And do you think there's something that makes it worse about being a very creative person that can make you fill in that, that gap and that imagination? I mean, yeah, my mum my constantly tells me, she's like, I wish you worked in 
finance or something or you know I think you'd be much you'd have much more luck in love <laughs> if you weren't such a bloody fantasist yeah I think that definitely makes it worse because you know I write stories so I tell myself stories in my head <laughs> but that's another line I have in the book like at the end um you know the best relationships you'll ever have are the ones in your head because that's what you do isn't it in your head everything's perfect and you know we idealize people when we're in love with them that's just it's natural mm. Is there a positive side to that as well? I think so, yeah. I think there is. Um, I think it's just about not not letting yourself get carried away. And, and like I said, you know, trying to trying to root it in reality as much as you can because you'll just end up getting hurt because no one's going to meet your, you know, idealised projection of who they are and you'll just end up constantly disappointed, I think. Well, um compromise then is what we're <laughs> is what we're looking for at the end of all this you've been able to interview so many people about their relationships and I think it's a really nice thing uh I don't know with our jobs as podcasters that we can go in and ask people all these nosy questions and not pe- I think that there's this weird thing sometimes when you're single like everything's up for grabs and it's really appropriate for anyone and anyone to ask uh you know have you dated recently like open your heart to me whereas you know it Sometimes in relationships, it can seem that there's a much more, much more of an entitlement to, to privacy. Mm. That's so true. Yeah, actually. I find that a lot with particularly with sex. I feel like single women are asked much more about their sex lives than women in relationships. Which you know, women in relationships are probably having more sex than the women who are single. There are still things that they'll want to talk about. You know, I think that's a real problem as well. There's like, I think yeah, the, the privacy thing is good in many ways. But then I think it leaves a lot of stuff unspoken about that, you know, should be talked about. Mm. So do you think, I, I suppose, a, um, I suppose you've answered this question, but do you know, do you think there is a benefit to being able to have these honest conversations throughout and to normalize that as you sort of do with the Millennial Love podcast? Yeah, definitely. Because I think a lot of the issues that I talk about in the book and in the podcast are very complicated societal issues, you know, you talk about sexual violence and talk about porn and female sexuality and the way it's fetishized in society. They're big, big issues. I'm not going to solve them with my book, but all you can do, all we can do is talk about them and try and dismantle the stigmas that we attach to these things and try and, you know, detach some of the shame that we attach to these things so that people feel more open to talk about them. And, you know, that that it sounds like such a simple thing but that really helps you know as soon as someone has been open about something that they're going through and realizes hey I'm not the only person experiencing this then it just makes them feel a little bit better about it and like that is all we can do we can't solve all of these issues Mm. and you say that in your book and I, I like it because I think there's something there's something very generous about memoir in that you know you are sharing these things and I suppose it's one person's account, but it's also a means by which many, many people, you know, infinite numbers of people can feel less lonely. Mm. And there's something really wonderful about that. Um, I just, I think it's something quite unique about, about books as well, because it's not, you know, it's, it's slow, it's considered, it's not sort of the social media thing that you might regret. It's really, it's something that you really generously thought about giving out to the world and then being able to, you know, to talk about it in situations like this. Yeah. And then go on and continue that conversation. Yeah. Well, I always find with myself the books that I identify with the most are 
really personal pieces of writing or novels where you know it's all about characters journey because then you can really identify with the person really get into their get into their head and and you know like I said if, if you are experiencing similar things to what they've gone through it will really help you to see it written down in detail and that was you know that was the point of so many of the things that I write about particularly I think about abortion that was something that I had never you know when I went through that I was desperately looking online to find stories from women who had gone through that because I didn't talk to any of my friends about it I just didn't know how I was supposed to feel about it and I think things have got better. I think people are talking about that more and more now, um, even though the system in this country is completely buggered. That's a whole other story. Um, but I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write about that in so much depth, because I just thought if someone else is going through that and they read that and it makes them feel a little bit less alone, then that's amazing. It is. And I think, you know, across across so many different topics in your book, I, you know, it's it covers so much. And I think, you know, Thank you for being so generous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to ask, how have you integrated the millennial love learnings across the podcast and from the book into your own relationship? I know you've been in a relationship for about, it's getting on for three years now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's tricky because I think... I think the main one of the main messages to to women in particular in the book is about asking for what you want and and feeling empowered to be more confident and have autonomy and whether that's asking for what you want in bed or asking for what you want just in terms of communication style in the relationship anything and I think that has really really inspired me um, you know I speak to so many brilliant people on the podcast and and for the book and I think all of them you know, many of them are much more empowered and confident than I am. And it really, I think that's a really important message that I have subconsciously really tried to to do in my own relationship, I think, as well. So to ask for what you want. Yeah, and just be more outspoken and be less afraid to to voice what you want, I think. Because, you know, like you said, we are conditioned to be people pleasers. And very often that just means that we don't really say what we want as much. And we just kind of go along for the ride a little bit. Um... But I think, yeah, I think being more outspoken is a really important, um, a really valuable lesson. Mm. So it's be less less cool, but more outspoken. Yeah, yeah, don't be cool. Being cool is so boring. <laughs> Finally, the question I ask at the end of every podcast episode, what is your alonement? So, oh God, it's going to sound so cliche. Um, I really like wild swimming. <laughs> it's so cliche. But my, so I love running. Running to me is my favourite thing to do. Um, and I particularly love running on a summer's day. Um, and then going, I used to live quite near the Hampstead Teeth Ponds. And I used to run there and then go swim, sit by the meadows, listen to all the women talking about, you know, complaining about their boyfriends and all of their <laughs> issues. It's just the most heavenly space. And then, you know, Maybe bring a book, read a book, and then run home. And that's so nice. It's the nicest thing to do on your own, I think, because it's a, it's just such a safe space as well. And you know, being around nature and being around the heath, it's just gorgeous. So mm-hmm. that that's my alonement, I think. Sounds incredibly scenic. Oh, I'm not too cliche. <laughs> You're only the second person to say this out of 55 guests. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> the world swimming fronts. Yeah. And there's something about hamsters as well, I think, that, or hamster teeth. Yeah. Uh, and this is probably true of any woodland space. 
because it feels quite intimate. There's lots of trees. It's very woody. There's lots of sort of cozy, cozy corners. People do have more intimate conversations than somewhere a big open park where people are promenading. Oh my god, yeah. And also, I've met. I've actually. I know that's not really what alone is about, but I have met people there as well because you know loads of women go there on their own, mm. um, and you know you just end up talking to people and, and having really interesting conversations. No small talk, which is always my favourite. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just it's just an incredibly magical, peaceful space. It's way nicer than the men's pond. <laughs> How did you get into the men's pond? Oh, you can see it. You can see it because it's not. Cause it's not. Um, it's not secluded. Right. You can see into it a little bit when you walk past it. Oh. <laughs> it didn't sneak in. Uh, but the women's the... pond is completely secluded because in the summer everyone basically just sunbathes naked there, so it's completely secluded. So you can't. Well, that's unfair. Well, everyone peeks on the men. Well. <laughs> they get okay. a lot they get a lot they're fine so running wild <laughs> swimming and voyeurism yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you so much Olivia oh thank you for having me Thanks for listening. It was such a joy to host this event and to be able to share the recording from this very special evening with you all. I'll be sharing the second live recording with the author Abigail Bergstrom next week, which will be the 10th and final episode of this season. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.